This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, David Arnett stops by to tell us all about the new NFS over RDMA offering in ONTAP 9.10.1. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have David Arnett from the AI team. So David, uh, what is your specific title and what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? So uh, my title, I'm a principal technical marketing engineer. I'm kind of responsible for uh, producing reference architectures and all the documentation that, that shows our customers how to really take advantage of the, uh, of the NetApp products we offer. Um, you can reach me at arnett at netapp.com. All right, excellent. I, I mentioned that you're on the AI team, and specifically you work on a product called ONTAP AI. Um, can you kind of give me a rundown of what that is? Sure. So ONTAP AI is a reference architecture. It's a partnership with uh, NetApp and NVIDIA to build a reference architecture for infrastructure for um, high-performance computing using GPUs. Um, typically, we're talking about machine learning and deep learning, and even more specifically, like the, the model training phase, the really computational heavy lifting part of that. So with these um, high-performance computing and GPU systems, uh, you're always trying to find the best way to get to those resources, right? Trying to find the best performance you can. And you know, we've been limited for a while by, by the pathway between the storage and the GPUs, but now we have something that allows us to get there. So can you tell me a little bit about what, what we're offering now to improve the performance overall for, for you know, using these ONTAP AI systems and the GPUs? Sure. So uh, NVIDIA, um, obviously, they bought Mellanox a while back. They are very deeply invested in improving the performance of uh, the systems that they're building. Um, and they have released a, a, a solution that they call GPU Direct Storage, which uses RDMA uh, in order to accelerate the transfer of data from the storage system to the to the host. Now, that that means for ONTAP, that's kind of a big deal. Now, ONTAP has never supported anything like that. Um, starting with the next release of ONTAP 9.10.1, uh, we're going to be offering NFS over RDMA uh, for, uh, well, really any workload that might benefit, benefit from that kind of uh, improved latency and throughput. So NFS over RDMA, that's it, essentially going over a different protocol than say TCP. Can you tell me a little bit about how that RDMA piece works? Sure. So RDMA has been around for a, a very long time, but it's really kind of becoming more and more popular as these kind of high performance compute infrastructures are are developing. Um, even things like Oracle Rack uses RDMA now for the for the cluster interconnects. Um, but the uh, the the idea is that much of the much of the, it still uses a standard Ethernet network. This is also based on uh, Rocky RDMA over converged Ethernet. Um, so the the network plays a role in in QoS and and flow control for the traffic to ensure the the best performance. Um, but RDMA in general and NFS over RDMA offloads a number of the the kind of standard protocol steps in the TCP stack in a way that allows 
both the host and the storage system to put data on the wire simply by dropping data into a, a specified buffer area. So what sort of things does it offload? Well, it offloads all of the kind of uh, uh, packet encapsulation, right? So, so typically in a in a TCP transfer, right, your your data starts at the top of the the. I, I like the TCP model. I had a, a conversation with my friend uh, Gerhard about the OSI model the other day. But in the TCP model, you start up in the upper layers. You get uh, NFS is basically a layer four uh, protocol. Uh, NFS typically encapsulates the data and then hands it to the next lower layer, layer three, the IP layer, which then encapsulates it again and hands it to layer two and so on down the stack. It goes on the wire, gets to the other end, and then gets de-encapsulated at the other end. So the NFS over RDMA kind of eliminates a number of those steps. um, And basically, like I said, creates a dumps the data into the buffer directly on the network card, the network card software, and specifically the the OFED drivers, the Open Federated uh, uh, Fabrics drivers, uh, assemble the the packet in a you know in an Ethernet compliant packet, but without involving the CPUs on the host or the storage system or any of the kind of buffering and caching steps that may happen in that in that process as well. So you mentioned it doesn't involve the CPUs, but does it involve something like the GPUs? Does it does it leverage any of those resources, or is it you know still you know in the network buffer here? Well, it, it all happens in the network buffer. So traditionally, RDMA has been between CPU memory, right, main system memory on on systems. Um, the the feature that in, Nvidia has developed for GPU Direct simply adri- uh, expands the address space that RDMA can use to include the GPU memory as well as the CPU memory. So one of the interesting things and one of the benefits of using RDMA is that from a host perspective, all of the actual data movement operations are offloaded. And what I mean is, you know, a a block of memory is allocated and the host will drop some data into that memory and then send a message saying there's data that needs to be moved. And it's the storage system that pulls data out of that memory or pushes data into that memory. So the CPU is, or the, the, the processing on the host side is limited to simply a, a notification that the data is there. And in the sense of a, of a GPU uh, direct, so before GPU direct, they, we, were, we could still do RDMA like that. And then the CPU would have to copy the data from the CPU memory to the GPU memory. Now with GPU direct storage, that data is just simply addressed in a GPU memory block and gets dropped directly where it needs to be. And the CPU is not involved in any way, shape or form in that transfer. So you're basically shortening the path to to the operations, right? So you're trying to speed things up by removing an extra hop. That's correct. You're and you're actually removing several hops, right? There's the there's a bounce buffer in the CPU, and there's several CPU interrupts, and and a variety of steps in that process that get eliminated in the in the ability to move data directly from GPU into network card memory onto the wire and and out the other side. So I imagine that we haven't been able to do this before because we just haven't had the technology, right, with memory sizes and buffer sizes. I would I would imagine these buffers need to be pretty big. What sort of hardware requirements are there? 
Well, in terms of uh, the way we, everything is implemented here, the hardware requirement from our side is for uh, NetApp part number X1148 network cards. Those are actually a Mellanox CX5 uh, network card that is uh, certified for use in, the, in ONTAP systems. Um, and on the host side, it, it is still, uh, all of our testing has been with Mellanox uh, hardware, either CX5 cards or CX6 cards. So the, uh, there are some other vendors that can do RDMA, but much of the, the software involved here, at least from the host side, is dependent on the Mellanox and the, specifically the Mellanox OFED drivers that, that include the NFS over RDMA functionality um, and, and make it available to the kernel OS. Or the OS kernel. Yeah, and it also has to probably have it probably has to do a lot with the buffer sizes of these as well because you don't want to be constantly emptying those buffers to to free up space, right? You got to have enough memory involved. Yeah. There. I, I, so as I said, I think RDMA has been around for a long time, but to the point, I think it has not seen the kind of adoption because, as you say, memory sizes were just simply not available. We never had enough memory in our controllers to run these kind of things. We you know, we're we're reaching the point where those kind of limitations don't really exist anymore, and the uh, and the the hardware resources are available to do these in the sizes. Now we're still only talking about you know like one meg transfer sizes, right? So the 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 memory pages themselves are not necessarily larger or different than than typical typical memory pages, um, but the you know the quantity of data that we're moving in both directions is definitely growing considerably. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, the point is you don't want to keep flushing the buffer if you can avoid it. <laughs> Correct. The, the, I'll say the, the GPUs in the DGX systems we're working with right now have at least 32 gigs of memory on each GPU. And probably half of that gets dedicated or more gets dedicated to actual data. And so, you know, there there is a large amount of space available out there to, to and, and that's a part of the the beauty of how the system ends up working, right, is that you know, we, we take a really big performance hit when the job first starts up as we fill all those buffers. And then the system st- settles into a steady, steady runtime state that is easily supportable by, by the storage systems, all of our storage systems at that point. So uh, NFS over RDMA leverages Rocky. Can you give me a little more uh, information about what sort of network considerations I need to, to think about when I'm configuring that? Sure. So uh, Rocky is uh, RDMA over converged Ethernet. Converged Ethernet is basically a set of standards that were implemented in pretty much every data center class switch probably 10 years ago. Um, even, you know, even the capabilities that we've used for a long time for things like fiber channel over Ethernet um, are the same capabilities that get implemented for Rocky, right? So we're talking about advanced QoS mechanisms and so on. Now, the the interesting thing here is the from the, the host side, um, these are Ethernet packets, and Rocky relies on basically tagging of Ethernet packets for the for the QoS. The host the host automatically tags packets a- appropriately, and then it's up to the network, the switching infrastructure, to do something with that tagging, right? And in a lot of cases, like specifically in our reference architecture. The network is a, a dedicated network using, you know, full duplex non-blocking hardware, meaning the QoS mechanisms that would get implemented 
never actually engage because the switch never reaches a contention point where it has to make a decision between which which traffic to allow to flow and which not to flow. So um, the the real consideration for Rocky is um, if you're doing a large scale shared network, you know, lots of different traffic flows and uh, and shared with the with the RDMA storage traffic, then the the networking configuration becomes much more critical. Um, but in many cases, uh, and specifically now we're, I'm doing a lot of work with the, with the Mellanox and uh, Cumulus Linux on the switches, it's as simple as enabling basically storage-optimized flow control, which sets all the appropriate flags in the network if, if that's required to, to manage the bandwidth. So with NFS over RDMA, um, you know, you have to have this rocky network. Can I also do NFS over TCP with regular Ethernet as well on the same host or do I or are these got to be dedicated to this, you know, just to the RDMA piece? Well, you could certainly do both. Um, I have observed some odd behavior in terms of Linux clients and how they you know, sometimes when once you make one mount, then uh, all following mounts use the same option. So sometimes it's hard to make it jump through those hoops to do that kind of thing. But um, in terms of that, you know, we definitely recommend uh, dedicated network interfaces and things because the 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 there is an overhead. It, it would it would definitely apply an overhead to try and run those same traffics on the same physical, you know, interfaces and stuff, but certainly from the same host and across the same network. And of course, on the same network, that's where those, uh, that's where the Rocky flow control mechanisms would really be valuable. And you mentioned NFS v4 as a protocol. Is it possible to do this with NFS v3 as well? Or is it just generally not recommended to do that? Well, so for right now, we're the the initial release is going to be with NFS v4. We do intend to support v3. There's no reason not to, although I am learning a lot more about NFS as a protocol myself in terms of some of the underlying services, right? There, there are some technical reasons why NFS v4 um, works a little better for this because more of the traffic flows over um, single services and single ports, right? Versus NFS v3, which uses multiple ports and kind of more more host to client interactions um so but the intention is to support version three and the intent is also to support version 4.1 ultimately leading up to pnfs right which is really the kind of the 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 best performance we can offer on our systems and so once we can do pnfs over rdma we'll really have maximized the the solution it's interesting. When you said V4, I just assumed that meant V4.1 and 4.2 and PNFS, but it's strictly V4.0, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that, again, there were some kind of technical challenges um, leading to this, right? And so that's the that's the version that we've started with. We're kind of viewing this as the the first step, right? We're we're enabling the functionality and we're ma we're making sure the fundamentals are there, and then we will be expanding, um, ideally, in the next ONTAP release. But I don't think that that is uh, fully committed yet. But uh, you know, closing the gap on protocols so that customers can use whichever protocol they prefer. Yeah, and generally, you know, when we introduce something new like this, it's it's a building block feature, right? You know, you, you put out the feature and then you start building onto it and adding more to it and improving it as you go so that, you know, people have access to it, but, you know, you get additional benefits down the road. That's correct. And and like I said, the, the goal is really to to get in the game with the GPU functionality, right? The In, in a lot of cases, and, and I think we'll talk about it in a minute, but 
some of the workloads aren't really there yet, right? There, there's still some software development that needs to happen. And so it's great for us to go ahead and get in the game early and, and start enabling the functionality. And then basically as the ecosystem matures, our, our offering will, will mature with it. And I think we'll be, we'll be very competitive in the next, next release or two. I'm sure it didn't hurt having a very important partner uh, like NVIDIA wanting something like RDMA, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. They're a, they're, a, uh, they're a big partner for us. They're a, they're a huge part of our, our plans going forward. And, uh, and so, you know, they, they carry a lot of weight in the re- requests we make from them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for good reason. I mean, they've got good stuff and we want to make sure that we keep that partnership going and, and fruitful. So, um, you know, going to the NVIDIA side of things, there's a host side component to this. Can you talk to me a little bit about this host side component? Right. Well, the the real magic here. So we've talked about NFS over RDMA, and that is that's just essentially the core RDMA functionality, right? It's there's uh, you know any any application that uses NFS could actually take advantage of that of that functionality, whether they use GPUs or not. Um, the real the real special sauce that Nvidia has brought here is. Um, what what I mentioned was GPU direct storage, where instead of just kind of traditional RDMA where you're using system memory, they've extended, and it's actually an extension of the the NVMe protocol is uh, is my understanding. Um, they have extended the the RDMA to include the GPU address space, um, and this is done in the Mellanox drivers and in uh, and in software. And they've actually inserted a, another piece of software into the, the Linux virtual file system, um, NVIDIA FS, basically just kind of sits between the applications that are doing I.O. and the and the virtual file system and manages, you know, whether those whether a, a given block is going to a CPU a memory address or a GPU memory address. And that enables basically any of the underlying file systems. So, I mean, what's interesting from, from me as a storage guy is that ultimately this functionality is, is not in, really dependent on the storage system in any way. Uh, the IOs that, that the storage system processes are, are no different whether they came from GPU or CPU, um, and they don't really change the performance characteristics of the storage system, um, but they but they also enable a, a whole new uh, kind of range of application workflows where data doesn't have to flow through kind of main system memory the way it always has in the past. So with this host side component, is it something that's pretty easy to configure or is it kind of just built into the NVIDIA hosts themselves? So the, the GDS software is actually built into the, the CUDA software. CUDA is uh, NVIDIA's um, basically application libraries, all of their APIs and stuff. So, uh, the, this is the, the functionality is built into the software that gets installed pretty much anytime a GPU is installed, right? The CUDA software is, is includes the drivers for the GPU and all the ancillary, um, components. Uh, NVIDIA is actually working on now that that is kind of the lowest level of interaction you can have with these functionalities. Um, and most end users don't really want to do that, right? We're talking about actually writing application code that makes the specific um, memory allocation calls and the data transfer calls and so on. Um, but most data scientists certainly are not programmers at that level and aren't, and aren't interested in doing things like that. Um, so 
there is some development work from a software perspective, but also NVIDIA is extending things. NVIDIA has a software package called Rapids, which is a uh, a, a data science toolkit for manipulating data and doing things in, in memory and so on. And uh, a lot of the data scientists use Rapids because it provides a, a much higher level of abstraction for the underlying resources. And Rapids will be supporting GDS so that many of the things that users are are doing would would automatically be supported if their if their workflow supports it which is another interesting point <laughs> so as far as you know these these host side components go i would imagine this is covered in that a the ontap ai reference architecture list right well they will be the the cuda version certainly is now the the reference architecture has not been updated with gds that'll be on the roadmap once we once we have the full release out in the wild um, and is going to be more a function of when we can arrange the testing. But the, we, I, I do, we will have a TR coming out uh, after the first of the year that will have a lot of the technical details around um, installing and configuring this. For the most part, it is, uh, well, from, a, from the host side perspective, it's all about the, the Mellanox software, both the CUDA, both CUDA software and the Mellanox OFED software. So, you know, we've touched on this a little bit, but let's kind of dive into it deeper. What sort of use cases make sense for this uh, NFS over RDMA and which ones don't really fit? Well, uh, NFS over RDMA in general can kind of apply for, for any application, right? They, uh, the the uh, lower latency and, and better performance, right? Even, even with version 4.0, we know there are some performance limitations, but well, I do get double the throughput at half the latency of what was capable without RDMA. So this can certainly benefit any any application. Um, when we're specifically talking about GPU direct storage, um, that becomes much more uh, nuanced in the sense that, um, you know, in a lot of cases, I, I mentioned we're, we're talking about training deep learning models. In a lot of cases, those processes are compute bound or memory bound. They're not storage bound. So the GPU direct storage would not have a lot of benefit for those. Um, as I mentioned, in a lot of cases, there are just simply software gaps that are that are kind of preventing use cases. So uh, uh, certainly a lot of adoption here. I, I will say I, I did learn of a very interesting use case, though. Um, some of the some of the major uh, like movie production houses, one of one of our big customers, we uh, I'm going to be speaking to next week. Um, they use basically real time digital rendering. They film on a digital on a digital set, and all of the all of the graphics information is rendered in real time in that digital set. And that is the kind of use case where uh, the data is being loaded into GPU memory. But there's no other manipulation of that data, right? For an example, another limitation of GDS is right now GPUs don't do decompression. So any use case involving images that has to go through the GPU still actually has to go through the CPU first for decompression before it can be used on the GPU. But in this uh, in this video rendering uh, use case, uh, they you know and and Nvidia actually has a a demo of this they they produced the uh the Mars landing uh video uh basically is a rendering of massive quantities of three d volumetric data in real time and the the system that did that generated almost hundred and fifty hundred and sixty gigabytes per second for a single server 
to in order to pull that data in and render it in real time on all eight of the GPUs. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive, right? Like the really the 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 other so I'll say the other use case for this kind of thing is uh is what I would call batch analytics or batch inferencing, right? Think of um customers like a bank that has a massive pool of users and we know, you know, they they do all kinds of things, you know, fraud detection and those kind of things are obvious for for a bank, but they're a they're a retail operation and they want to keep customers, right? So they're constantly trying to identify signs that a customer is about to leave and figure out how to get them to not leave, right? And so uh, you know, we have we have a couple of bank customers and they have data scientists who who come up with an algorithm to to kind of make a make a prediction like that. And then they run it against their entire customer base once a month or once a week or whatever that is, right? And so again, the ability to load just massive, massive quantities of data and pass them through a very lightweight compute process is really kind of the main use case. I think we're going to see this this GPU direct take on. So if I'm hearing this correctly, the workloads that work best with this are going to be the high throughput kind of streaming large writes, large reads, whereas something like a high metadata workload with lots of files and you know lots of operations might not be as good of a fit for this particular uh, RDMA piece, right? Uh, that's correct right now, right? The uh, the in and specifically in GPU in GPU direct metadata doesn't even land in a GPU page. It doesn't get accelerated in that way anyway, right? So there's uh, you know it 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 still kind of depends on the specific data flow in the in the application, right? The 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 software pipeline that's being leveraged um, and how it you how it accesses the data to really determine how effective it'll be. But I bet D screams on this. <laughs> well, I'm sure it does. Now I will say, I mean, like I said, latency is is significantly reduced, right? So so in a general sense, you know, certainly any workload, I mean, I, I know we we're we're talking to some EDA customers about this, maybe not with this initial release, but but they're interested in long term because they they do lots of kind of transactional I don't want to say transactional process, but but high high metadata workloads, but they need the absolute lowest latency they can get. And this is potentially one way to do that. So when you mentioned the the throughput for these workloads, is that a single file throughput or is that like multiple files, multiple threads? And you know, with that question, does it does this help single file throughput at all? This will not. It, uh, so the the interesting again point about this whole process is that it doesn't really change the way the storage system works. It doesn't change the 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 uh, strengths and weaknesses of the storage system. It just kind of speed things up, right? So um, these workloads can vary from you know in some cases it is one single large file um, that may be you know a terabyte in size and there's and there's all that volumetric data in it. In other cases, it may be thousands of 100K files. Um, and so I think the, uh, you know, the, the benefit would be across the board, but I don't, there's not any specific improvement for a single large file because ultimately the bottleneck is the, 
the underlying disk subsystem at that point, right? Versus uh, versus the network throughput capability. Right, but if you're if you're streaming directly to the storage, but in this case, it sounds like we're able to offload some of that stuff to the host into the GPUs. So basically, you can kind of delay the storage delivery. And I'm wondering if that if that extra time in GPU helps improve the performance appearance, right? So for example, like if I'm if I'm streaming a video file, if I'm trying to do real time video editing or real time video streaming, like a surveillance camera type of thing. It doesn't matter when it gets to the storage because it's all happening in the GPU buffer and then you know it's being pushed to storage as it can. So in, in that use case, does the application at least appear to be faster? I mean, it doesn't mean the, the storage performance is better, well, but you know, it might appear faster. Absolutely. And that's the whole idea, right? Because many of these workloads, you you bring up a good use case is you know, another prime use case for this would be a video surveillance use case using some type of AI algorithm to monitor that video stream, right? So the video stream comes in from the camera and goes directly into the GPU. The algorithm does whatever it's doing, make, you know, prediction, facial recognition, whatever it does in that, in that real-time process. And then the data can just be pushed off to disk because now you're just storing the archival data, right? The, the, the important bit was having having the the gpu not get bogged down by the stream of data so that it can make an inferencing decision in every second of that video frame of video stream yeah and i mean i don't want people to get too excited here because th- this type of solution is not cheap <laughs> oh yes <laughs> right i mean you, well, you'll get what you pay for of course but it, you'll be paying for it yeah that's correct i mean the it, it's you know we're used to talking about our storage systems and and we generally use the AFFA 800 for this and it's the most expensive system we've got and it's still a fraction of the cost of the the compute infrastructure that goes into the solution right the the uh the GPU servers and such end up costing significantly more than the storage yeah and usually you're you're doing this for a very good reason right like it's a, it's a critical piece of your infrastructure but you know not everyone requires that type of cost well, that's true, but and the other thing we see is that no, very few individual users require that kind of horsepower, but an enterprise as a whole can certainly leverage it. So most of the most of the customers we see with ONTAP AI are actually, you know, building out their IT department's capability to offer deep learning and machine learning capabilities to the end users rather than them going out and buying time on the cloud or or building their own crazy cluster config or what have you right um, and so the the value here is that yes this infrastructure costs a lot of money but it is designed and and uh, architected to be used in a very optimized way right shared amongst a lot of users or or running very very high powered jobs very quickly so that they turn over very quickly and you know between between those two things it ends up being cheaper to do these kinds of operations on premises than it does in the cloud because the cost of renting those resources in the cloud is even worse yeah i mean it's it's really a sticker shock thing right like you see the initial code, you're like, <laughs> whoa but then you, you know, if you do the breakdowns of cost and you know the return of, of you know investment and that, that type of thing and you know how many users are going to use it and it, it ends up right. coming out in the wash Oh, and I'll and I'll put it this way: I've seen several. I've spoken to several customers who, you know, between between optimizing a model, uh, you know, to gain a little bit more accuracy and being able to to 
apply that model in a production way means literally millions of dollars a year to the business's bottom line. And when you start looking at it that, even that sticker shock goes away, right? Because who wouldn't spend $1 million to make 10 more this year, right? The, uh, so it's a, it, it, is a heavy, it is a heavy sticker shock, but the, the payoff can be huge as well. So I, I know that there are probably IT managers or, or purchase deciders out there that see the sticker shock and can't get past that. How do you guys help them get past that? Like, how do you convince them like, hey, this really is worth all that money that's on this line item? Well, there's there there's a couple ways around that. One, and a lot of customers ex- are going with smaller systems, right? We we tend to focus our reference architectures tend to focus on the the high end, um, but we certainly uh, you know see a lot of customers building you know either servers with one or two GPUs in them or some of the four way GPUs that are out there. Uh, the other thing we do, and and this is a program I'm I'm pretty excited about from NetApp, is that you know the the challenge here is that because AI and machine learning is is so new, most customers don't know how to put any kind of return on investment or how to calculate a return on investment, right? And so uh, NetApp has a partnership with a couple of um, third party software development companies, and we sponsor workshops with a customer where one of these one of these solution delivery partners will go in and really understand the customer's use case and help them develop a model and show them that, okay, by the implementation of, of this model for this use case, you're going to save, you know, X number of, of trips out to the manufacturing facility per year. And that's how you put an ROI on it. So, you know, the, this is a, a rapidly emerging space and those, those numbers are kind of hard to get, but um, between us and NVIDIA, we're doing a lot to help to help customers understand that and and really put the perspective on why it is worthwhile to make those kinds of investments. So earlier, you kind of touched on this being a version one of the feature, and that entails there's probably some caveats we have to think about, right? So what what are the caveats to this RDMA aspect of NFS? Like, what do we need to consider when we're deploying it? Well, the... Uh, the the network would be one. I, I mentioned some of the considerations around Rocky. Although if we're we're doing what most people do for high speed uh, architectures, the the network is kind of dedicated for this. Um, the at at the at a, a deeper level, the 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 support right now is for NFS v 4.0 only, like we like we mentioned. Um, and that brings with it um, some performance limitations, right? There are some some threading problems with processing uh, V4 streams, and there's another limitation uh, based on uh, the Mellanox drivers themselves. And we're working with Mellanox to get a fix pushed into um, the upstream Linux distributions. Um, but there is a failover timeout issue where the the RDMA traffic does not respond to a gratuitous ARP when the lift fails over. And so the application can actually time out waiting for IOs to complete. Um, so these things are all detailed in the in the release notes, and uh, and are available, you know, for everybody to check out. But as you said, the idea is that we really wanted to to get customers aware of this capability and start playing with it and start understanding the capabilities, um, because as the as the workloads emerge to take care of it, we want to make sure we're positioned to to support those. Yeah, absolutely. Have you guys done any testing already with V4.1 and PNFS? Uh, I know you, I know it's not officially supported, but I would imagine you're, you're trying it out, right? 
we have not. I mean, there's actually still some development work going on for that. That's okay. uh, that's slated for a future release. The uh, the so no, we ha- I haven't done any testing. I would love to. I, I I really think PNFS is the answer to a lot of problems. And once we can do RDMA, you know, PNFS over RDMA, that's really going to optimize our systems. Well, I would imagine PNFS with NConnect, right? So being able to, to tie NConnect to that as well would really try to open up the pipe there. Correct. Right. I mean, between between the two, you know, I, I mean, there's so many benefits there. It's it's hard to list them all. Right. But, you know, we're distributing workload across the cluster more effectively using a flex group uh, volume under the cover. So the data is distributed across as many nodes as there are in the cluster. And then when a client is accessing that data, it's receiving data from the node that owns the the data, right? Instead of uh, instead of a backplane transfer, uh, an indirect transfer, and then NConnect maximizes the performance of each one of those individual connections to the point where there's just you know we're always going to spin up to the to the maximum capability of the storage system without any concern for networks or paths or anything like that. Have you also tested out attaching flex caches to this? So like maybe trying to offload the reads to a different volume while you do the writes back to the flex group? So we, uh, I, not in this, not specifically with NFS over RDMA, although I'm sure that's coming. Um, in general, yes, the, this is a great use case for flex cash that the, we're seeing a number of customers. I've got a, a very large pharmaceutical customer I'm talking to who's, who is implementing exactly this. They've got a, a FAS 8300 with, a, with two petabytes of, of hard drives behind it. And then a cluster of AFFA800s that are connected directly to the to the GPU servers, and so they you know have a big massive giant pool of data that sits on on deeper and cheaper storage, and then is accelerated automatically into the into the flash for the for the training processes. Wow, they've got 800s as caches. <laughs> yeah, well, That's hardcore. And, it, it is hardcore, but that's the nature of this workload, right? When we talk about the, because nobody can afford the capacity, nobody can afford to use eight hundreds for the capacity they need, right? So you still need that performance level. Um, and I'll mention, you know, like that use case of uh, of the Marslander rendering that Nvidia did. That that's that single server produced, you know, generated about one hundred and sixty ter- uh, gigabytes per second of storage throughput. So knowing what we know about our storage systems, we're going to need an entire cluster of A800s to support one server when those kinds of workloads start start ramping up. And that's that's the exp- and that's really where the value of a flex cache is going to come in, right? Because now I mean, yes, it's it seems crazy to have that much storage hardware tied to the compute, but you certainly don't want to bottle you don't want to uh, leave that compute bottlenecked on the storage, right? And it still gives it gives the customers the ability to basically deploy a cluster per server and have that all tied to a central data repository at the at the flex cache origin versus whatever craziness will have to happen for the the vendors that don't support that kind of interaction between systems. So it's I, I think we're we're on the right path. And as these performance requirements grow, you know, the, the, the data management capabilities of our system are going to prove to be more and more valuable. These flex caches, are they deploying them like as a single cache across all the nodes or is it multiple caches and like one per node? How are they rolling that out? 
the the flex cash is going is a one cash across the so the 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 initial implementation is two a800s and the flex cash will be a flex group that spans both of those nodes the uh the intent for now um is the the users um you know we've we've done a number of presentations on the data ops toolkit and the data ops toolkit contains the uh a python function for uh pre-populating the cache so a user in the process of his normal Jupyter notebook can run a command that pulls the data he's interested into the cache volume he's planning to, to work against, and he doesn't have to wait on a data copy. He, he can do that automatically as a part of his pipeline, or he can do it and go get a cup of coffee or what have you, right? Um, and then the idea being that the cache is just going to be kind of a, it is literally going to be a scratch-based cache that users populate individual directories as they need them and then as those go cold they get let go and, and new to, new data comes in yeah and this this python script i mean you don't need a python script to do this there's a command in on tap that allows you to do that so if you wanted to set up your own thing and do that you certainly could but why do that oh when sure we have, when we already have a data ops toolkit for you to use Right. Yeah. And the, the API, there's a REST API for it as well. The, the, this customer was actually already using the REST API, and then we showed them the, the data ops toolkit, and, and then they got excited and confused because they had lots of options. Yeah. Um, but, the, for, but from, you know, so for, for some users, something like a, a curl command to the REST API makes sense, and to others, a, a, a Python call makes sense, and it's nice to have the options. All right, David, sounds like ONTAP 9.10.1 is going to have a lot of opportunity here for NFS over RDMA, and it's going to build in the future. So again, you know, if you wanted to reach you and find out more information, how would we do that? So uh, there's a couple ways. One, I've got a great insight session on this uh, capability, um, accelerating GPU or uh, optimizing GPU accelerated workloads um, using, uh, using GPU direct storage. Um, my email address is arnett at netapp.com, A-R-N-E-T-T-E at netapp.com, and I'm happy to uh, answer questions. All right, excellent. Anywhere, uh, any sort of web landing pages we can go to to find out more information? Well, certainly netapp.com slash AI is the, is the landing page for all of our solutions. The, the GPU Direct solutions will be at the top because they're some of the, the newest ones we have. Um, but all of the information about ONTAP AI and all of NetApp's uh, machine learning and de deep learning solutions are there. All right. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us and talking to us all about NFS over RDMA. Thanks. It's been great. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap Podcast team, I'd like to thank David Arnett for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.